0: Welcome to Moving Forward. I'm your host, Lynn Swanner. On this podcast, I'll interview forward thinking Christian school leaders and educators on best practice, innovative approaches, and new opportunities in Christian education. Today, my guest is Dr. Mitch Salerno, who's the head of school at Monte Vista Christian School in Watsonville, California. He's also president of the Christian Coalition for Educational Innovation, or CCEI, and a well-regarded speaker on school innovation and technology. He's joining me today to discuss the flexible office concept he introduced at Monta Vista about two years ago. While this is an innovative approach to designing spaces for school leadership teams, as we'll hear during our conversation, this isn't really about the space, but more about creating a collaborative culture, building relationships, and modeling a Christ-centered community for teachers, students, and families. Hi, Mitch. Thanks so much for joining me today. And it is great to be here. Thanks for having me. Can we start off with your giving us a brief profile of your school?
1: Yeah. So I am the head of school at Monta Vista Christian School, and Monta Vista Christian School is a thousand-student, grade six through twelve Christian school in Watsonville, California, which is just on the other side of the hill of Silicon Valley, San Jose, and We've got about 750 high school students and 250 middle school students. A hundred of our high school students are boarders, mostly international and mostly Chinese.
0: So you transitioned to the head of school role a bit over a year ago. Can you tell us what the office spaces looked like when you first arrived?
1: Yeah, so when, when I came to Monta Vista, we were... Um, Our our offices were were quite traditional um, and and quite um, spread out. So, Monta Vista is a a 105-acre campus. We've got about 20, 25 buildings on campus. And so, our offices were exactly what you would expect. Each person had their own office. Each office was disconnected from the other, not only through walls, but often through buildings or through space throughout campus. So, very much what you would expect from a school.
0: So, did you feel that that space with the separated offices and distributed across all those buildings on campus, did you feel that it facilitated or contributed to a specific leadership culture at the school?
1: Yeah, I think it, it facilitated a leadership culture that is what I, for the sake of say this podcast and, and perhaps other things call traditional, which is that um, leaders were operating their departments in, in silos separated from other leaders. And so your, your finance operation was completely separate from your admissions, which was completely separate from your academics. And even within academics, you had these siloed So I think the structure itself was being borne out in how the communication patterns and the interaction patterns within the organization were occurring.
0: So you arrived and you found the situation on campus, both physically and in the leadership culture. Why did you feel you wanted to make a change, um, both in those physical office spaces and then in the culture overall?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, one was an observation of what I saw here, right? So I wanted to to move and shift that culture here. Two was just a broader understanding and experience with office culture in general. So I think what I experienced here was not unique, and probably for the folks listening, is not unique to just this culture, but it's transferable, I think, across many, many cultures. Um, so, but specifically for here, um, the transition was needed because of the, the magnitude, and you've been on campus, so you know this, the magnitude of physical space. Those silos were not only in existence, but they were entrenched. And a lot of that was due to, um, again, not just separate office space, but those offices might be separated by, by four buildings. And so it became very clear that for us to grow the first thing that we needed to do was to unify the administration. And then I would add to that, we as a school had been talking to our faculty, to our students about what, what then we called 21st century concepts of collaboration and, 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 and those things. But we're asking the folks deep in the organization to be collaborative, but our upper administration to even mid-level administration was anything but, because of the structure of the office.
0: So I was there, I think, a couple of times. The first time was in the middle of your working on the transformation. And then the second time was a few months ago, and the work was fairly complete. But I I know there's still work that you want to do. And we have some pictures of the transformation from your blog post, and we'll share that link in the podcast notes. But can you describe, sort of give us a verbal picture of what you actually did to transform the space for those who are listening?
1: Yeah, so we took um, what was, say, five or six um, offices spread out over 1,200-ish square feet, and we took out all the walls. We basically opened up a rectangular room of about 1,200 square feet. And what was space for six people plus some hallways and other things, you know, an average, and my math's not completely accurate here, but somewhere in the 170 square foot per person range, now, all of a sudden, had 13 to 14 people in 1,200 square feet. And so we've got a variety of, of standing desks on one side of the room. You'll see that in the pictures. And then on the other side of the room, an open kind of large collaborative table. And then we have a, a glass sliding door that goes into our boardroom. Um, and so we, we really created a, a huge open space that people can just free flow. There's even a living room space in there. I'm certain that'll show up in the picture with TV. Just yesterday, I had a presentation to our faculty. So I went over that presentation with our two principals. And we sat in that living room and projected the presentation on the TV. And we did that while the office was buzzing with, you know, um, eight or 10 other people. So it's a it's a quite an open space. Everyone is kind of mobile and moving. There are some fixed locations, but they're rather small. I think most of us have a standing desk that might be, say, four foot by two and a half feet. So I think that gives a fairly broad description of the place.
0: So what kind of comments do you get from the school community when they've seen the transformation?
1: Yeah, I think our parental community, because we largely have a silicon-based clientele, Most of our parents or prospective parents who see it, and almost everybody walks past that space, their response is exceedingly positive. That's what they're used to seeing here. So what might sound trend-setting in Christian school worlds, not terribly innovative uh, for a Silicon Valley worker. Um, So our parents, they they think it's just fantastic. They think it's exactly how it should be. I think when we see visitors, say educators who come in, we get a lot of questions at first, and most of those questions center on how do you concentrate can you even get your work done in here? Why is there no door? So I probably should have mentioned in the description, we don't have a door. Anybody can walk in. Is this efficient? Those are the types of comments that we tend to get. Our own staff, by and large, like our faculty now, I don't even think there's any question. They just come in, hang out, work, go in and out. It's completely free flowing. Students, by the way, love it. Um, I've got a group of students who come visit me every day for lunch and hang out and actually play video games on on our TV in there, which I think is quite interesting. Most schools don't have that happening in their admin office, but I, I think it's fantastic and it's proven to be a great connection point for us.
0: So, obviously, what you shared in the beginning and even just now, it's not really about the space. Can you talk about how the leadership culture has changed along with the physical changes that you've made in the space?
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest change in the leadership culture is this this broader idea of collaboration. And I know that that's kind of a buzzword. It's a word that we in education have often thrown around, but we actually haven't practiced it. You know, I can give you some examples of how things have changed. I think that there are relationships forming between administrators. I, I want to be careful with this example because obviously these are real people who really work in our organization, but there were at least um, two people, if not three, as one specific example, who when I first got here and I was beginning to rearrange the administration in a way that I thought would suit us moving forward. I privately had a couple of our administrators come to me and tell me behind the scenes that they didn't want to work with someone else and that they really didn't like that someone else. And part of that was, if you looked at the physical proximity of their offices and such, they were a long ways away from each other and their departments were not just non collaborative, but on the borderline of potentially antagonistic. Those people today work very closely together. Um, they laugh, they are in relationship with each other, they're growing in their love for each other. And I think what they really needed was to be able to understand each other. And being in proximity to each other, not only in doing work, but in doing life, I think is critical. And I think some of the best times that I've seen our leadership culture grow and change is either early in the morning, say, eight o'clock, when everyone's getting going, or, right around three o'clock when the day's kind of wrapping up, there's a collegiality, there's a joy, there's a laughter, um, there's a sharing of experience that just cannot happen when we all retreat to our own physical spaces. And my contention is that those team-building times, amongst many other things which we can talk about in a few minutes, begin to knit people together in a way that is exceedingly unusual, potentially worth some of the headaches that come when you're in a
0: shared space. Yeah. So thinking about those headaches, what have been some challenges either that you anticipated or that were unanticipated uh, that you or your team or others have experienced? And I'm also curious about how you've worked to address those.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there are real challenges. And when you and I've talked a lot over the last year or two about this concept of, of mind shift, reframing, I think the key to this, and I, and I want to couch this in there is anytime we talk about something like an open office and what are its challenges, we have to remember that in the other system, there are challenges too. And so I think the shifting is that while we gain kind of a connection and a collegiality, you do lose personal space. And so you've been you've been in the office, you've seen where my desk is, and, and largely the head of school of a rather large organization. I have no privacy. And so um, just yesterday, I had a few things that I needed to get done. You know that I'm gonna be traveling here for a couple of days and and so I'm, I'm really busy trying to squeeze in a few things here the last few days before I go. And I had at least three people yesterday just walk up to my desk and say, can I ask you a question? Now, honestly, that's really frustrating, right? Because I don't really want to take time. In an ordinary situation, I have an assistant who protected the door, who kept me private, but I don't have that protection. And so I have to live and understand that, I ha- that my availability, for example, is now open. And my mistake, actually, was that I didn't just leave my space. I should have gone to a private room, which we can, again, talk about in a minute. I didn't go to a private room, so it was my own fault. I think that our staff has has experienced, you have to be more disciplined, to be more intentional about setting yourself apart. But what I like about that, and they're coming to realize, is that when we're in the collective space, we're collective. And if we want to be private, we retreat. And that's the opposite of what it was before. If you think back to, the, to a traditional system, maybe our listeners are in a traditional system, it's the exact opposite, right? In those systems, you consistently retreat to the private and you have to pull yourself into the collective. And if we're honest, our great frustration there is that we're never in the collective enough. I think that those challenges and struggles are the inverse of what we had before. Now we have to find the space, the private space, the, the time when we need to get away and think. And you have to be disciplined to remove yourself from that space to, to find those times.
0: Right. And just remembering your space, you do have a couple of private spaces off to the side. And for our listeners, maybe you can talk about the system you've actually developed for reserving those for people who are just wondering how you go about sharing those private spaces.
1: Yeah. So we've got three rooms. We've got the boardroom, we've got another private office, and a room we call the the fireside room. It has a kind of a faux fireplace in it. And, and we've got an iPad mounted into the wall where folks can, it's a shared Google calendar, pretty low tech in, in many ways, no fancy software required. It's, it's all freeware, if you will. And and um, we create a, an online calendar where we can, we can reserve the space so that we don't bump each other out. And, and I'd say we're getting more and more efficient with that. Obviously, you have your impromptu Uh, meetings that will pop up and but I know a lot of us and you've been here so you know the weather outside I mean I I take most of my phone calls outside sitting at a table looking over the mountain I mean it's gorgeous or take a walk we've got a couple other private rooms around campus that we're developing so the key to this is you have to you have to create private space somewhere on campus You, you cannot leave the concept of private space I think the difference is is that no one person owns the private space and I think that's probably the key that I've learned that over the last year, year and a half of doing this is that everyone owns the collective space and nobody owns the private space, but it's open for anyone and everyone to use as needed.
0: So I know this has obviously been a journey over the last couple of years. And in talking with you, there's there's still further to go in this journey. So what's next? What's the next level that you're thinking about?
1: Yeah, so the next level for us, and, and actually the whole goal of this was, team development and team dynamic. And really getting to this concept, I've been passionate for the last um, three or four years about um, understanding my own personal uh, blind spots, weaknesses. Um, Some people call it your backhand, the things that you're not very good at. And, And, you know, we were joking before we started this that, you know, I have a tendency to be a very high driver, fast paced. I overcommit myself. You know, listening is not an area sitting down, slowing down, listening, hearing is not an area that pops up often on my strength area. I can be critical because I'm a fixer and somebody who wants to go solve problems and so can come across as being a little bit negative or not as positive as as I should be. I love learning about my own blind spots. I want my teammates and my, my colleagues to be able to take that journey as well. And I believe that as we understand each other, we, we have a way of working in collaboration with each other that's unique and special. The next phase of this is to move beyond just our cabinet and start to see, I've written some articles and things on, I think Case has a few, about this idea of an, an innovation cascade is it's not enough for the leadership team to do this. This now needs to cascade throughout the organization. And, and I think what's next for us is kind of a deeper level exploration. I mentioned to you before we got on, reading a book right now that our, our leadership team will read this summer for our retreat called An Everyone Culture. Um, Rex Miller had passed it along to me, and we're going to be looking at something called um, DDOs, Deliberately Developmental Organizations. I think it's highly biblical, quite frankly. I don't know if the authors were intending it to be a scriptural concept, but it, it to me, is deeply tied to Ephesians 4, Second half of ephesians four and, and, and this concept of, of of really living in Christian community together, and I think that the open Office for me has been a catalyst for actually people development so for me it 's not about the space at all it's about people and people developing people coming into an understanding of, of who God's created them to be, um, where their fallenness lies, and when we get to that level of understanding and Um, togetherness, I think, that we can accomplish far greater. got more thoughts on it, but I think that's good enough for this question at least.
0: Yes, that's great. So what advice would you give Christian school leaders who are sort of starting to think about this? Maybe this is a new idea or they've just heard about it, but they're in more of that traditional structure and traditional culture that you described. So what advice would you give to them about thinking about space, really as a lever for transforming their culture?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'd ask them to do is I'd ask them to do an honest assessment of their current culture. So I think whenever we talk about change or transformation, I think that the general tendency, we're just talking to our staff about this yesterday for another initiative that we're doing, um, is our, our general first reaction to transformation is usually a fight or flight reaction so we immediately either flee it like oh no that can't be for me or we fight it well if this happens then this will go wrong and therefore everything you've said is is wrong we throw the baby out with the bathwater. so we have a fight or flight i think the first thing that i would ask leaders to do is to calm those emotions because they're real and they're okay because those are normal but to take a step back and ask insightful questions about your current culture And maybe I'll ask some of those questions now that folks can think about. Um, Is your team functioning at its highest capacity? Do people enjoy each other? Are there office politics where people are kind of backbiting and backstabbing and or even thwarting efforts because the, the culture at the highest level is not collaborative? If you're finding any seeds of, I mean, for the sake of we're talking to a largely Christian audience here, if you're seeing or hearing anything that is, is just sinful or just not what you'd want it to be, I'd encourage them to, to then have the courage to ask why. And to begin to investigate it. And, and my assertion is perhaps this structure that we've held for a very long time actually has, has an ability to impact the way we interact with each other. And then I'd, just, I'd say then start asking questions about what could be next. Maybe it's opening the space. Maybe it's uh, a deeper analysis of your culture. But I think that space... Is a great starting point because it 's a visual trigger, and we know from education that anytime we can we can attach something visual to what we 're learning, something experiential, something we can taste, touch, or feel. I think it begins to change the way people ask questions, and so I, I would encourage people to to begin to play around with their space, ask questions, maybe it 's just moving two people into a shared space to start, and then going from there, or maybe it is cold turkey like we did, and just said all thirteen go to one room. But I think that my encouragement would be to have courage to not accept what you're currently experiencing as the only way it has to be. I think that uh, what we've shown is that you can make strides on a culture through a transformation of space. And ultimately, as we've been discussing, it's going to end up being very little about space and a whole lot about Christ and the gospel and and healing souls and, and people striving together for the faith in a way that's unusual and in many ways, beautiful. So I think that's probably my encouragement. I think a year from now, if we're talking again, I hope to be talking to you about how this cultural transformation has been driven beyond the leadership culture and is now starting to show itself deep in our organization, our faculty, in our staff, perhaps even in our students. So I have a goal for our team. Our leadership team doesn't know this yet. I can tell you here. um, One of my goals is that by, Next May or by next June 1st, every person in our organization who works for us will be able to articulate their blind spot or their backhand. And if we can get to that place, I think we will have been in a very unusual space for our culture. And a lot of that is driven by this first move with the office space.
0: Well, Mitch, I'd certainly love to have you back in a year's time or so to hear more about how you're really taking this concept through your entire campus culture. That'd be great to have you back. But in the meantime, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Lynn. I appreciate all the work you're doing. And, and uh, I'm thankful for our audience listening to this. So thank you very much.
0: And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward.